Welcome to Baseball and Beyond, presented by Masses Restaurants. I'm in Jason Simon Tachi's kitchen, and his dogs are all here. They're all excited that we're talking to the Simo man. Welcome to the podcast. What's going on, Brad? Thanks. <laughs> this is, I'm trying to set the scene for the people who are Beautiful. listening, the five or six people that listen on a daily or, or week. more than five or six. Let's get a zero at Let's get you, first of all, to listen. And I said, <laughs> do you ever hear these? And you go, no. What's wrong with you? I'm following. I'm following. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start listening. <laughs> So you're going to spring training here very soon. That's always got to be fun, but uh, different capacity. Now you're kind of into your role as a coach. Uh, just what is it like going down there and knowing that, you know, it's, you know, it's February and it's baseball season and you're going to be gone now for the next six months? Uh, well, it's, uh, you look forward to kind of getting out of this weather, even <laughs> though today's kind of nice. But uh, at the same time, you just kind of, you know, you miss your family and you're gone for six weeks and then come back and see him for a day and then back down to Springfield. So uh, you're just looking forward to, I don't know, playing the game, at least swinging a fungo and playing catch and being in some good weather and some grass that's actually green. We'll talk about Springfield and being a coach, but uh, I love looking at guys' careers and hearing some stories about those years. So um, it took you a while to get to the major leagues, and you're one of those guys that it didn't seem like was going to happen, right? I mean, do you, did you think that as you were making your way through the career? Because you had years in the minors, you did pitch for Italy, so you did have some uh, international experience. But what, was it, what were your thought processes as we get into 2002 and, and, then it, and it does happen in that, in that May day against the Braves? Yeah, I, I didn't think so. I, everybody says, oh, yeah, that's what I dreamed. I mean, it was exactly that. I didn't really think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get there and it's going to happen. It's just it was it's just the longevity of it. It was just a grind. It was just, a, hey, look, I have a place to stay when, in the off season. I got a job in the off season, And my parents were like, look, you keep playing, and you got a place to stay, and then we'll go from there. And uh, So it just kind of like you said, I traveled a little bit and got to play on different teams, and then 2002 rolls around. So that and that O two team, they're coming off a playoff year. They lost to the Diamondbacks, Game Five of the O one NLDS. But you're on a team with Roland and Jimmy and Matheny and Albert, and this is just great team. You guys go to the playoffs that year. But what was it like pitching in those guys? You know, I think any pitcher I talked to from that era goes, "Man, I just put the ball down the middle, let those guys run after it." Right? Is that how you felt? Yeah, I I didn't feel that way. <laughs> but you uh, had to do a little more work yeah, than right, Woody Williams, right? Right? right, right. Yeah. So I uh, listen. I uh, I uh, I had to do a lot of work. That's for sure. But uh, it wasn't. It didn't come as easy as some of those other guys made it look. Um, but you're right. I mean, we had uh, we had Renteria and Vina up the middle. Uh, Matheny was up the middle, and Edmonds was up the middle. I mean, you literally had four Gold Glovers sitting right there, and then you put Roland on the corner. Um, so uh, it was a treat. Obviously, I was a ground ball pitcher, and. Um, I made those guys make their money or earn their money, I should say. So it was, uh, but it was good. It was uh, just, it was a blur, is what it was that first year. It happened so quick. I was going to say because you that 2002, everyone will remember that season. That uh, uh, obviously DK and Jack Buck, but this team used 14 pitchers. This is before DK even happened. I mean, there was Josh Pierce and Kevin Joseph and Mike Crudale. They all made starts. So. Um, just knowing that you could get in there. But what was it like? I know we've talked before about DK, but what, that day had to be just incredibly surreal and just kind of take me back to that day and what it was like when you guys kind of get to the ballpark and, and, and there's a game getting ready to go and everyone's just like, what's going on here? Right. DK was always – he was always there first, usually the last guy to leave unless his family was in town and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, we just – 
everything's normal. It was a, I think it was a Saturday afternoon. Game was what we had, and sitting there getting ready to go take BP, and I'm sitting by the cage, and just took a couple hacks and got out and took some more, took another round, and then got out of there. You know, you get four or five minutes, and then I'm walking back down to going to the dugout, and I hear Barry saying, you know, pretty much to Walt, what the, what the F do you think's going on? What do you mean he's effing dead? And You honestly, had no idea what they were talking I about, right? I had no idea what they are talking about. I had no clue. So I just kept walking to the clubhouse, walked down the stairs to the dugout, walked up to the clubhouse, went, you know, the little corridor that you have to go up through the, that the, they have in Wrigley. And it wasn't a minute later, all four or five guys come running past me. I can hear them scuffling and this and that and, that's it. What do you mean he's effing dead? What do you mean he's effing dead? I'm like, well, man. So, I mean, obviously I knew they were talking about, by the time I'm like thinking, I knew, okay, good night. So, that was it. I really didn't think anything of it. And then, you know, they didn't announce anything. And um, I mean, honestly, I was thinking of it, but it wasn't my place or time to even speculate anything. So, I just kept my mouth shut. Um, Still preparing to play, because at the time, you don't know if you're going to play or not. So, you just go about your business and... um, you know, guys kind of started rumbling coming in the clubhouse, and it just, you know, I think uh, Mikey uh, was sitting there, you know, we all gathered around and just started talking, conversing. Mikey, I think, was saying a little prayer, got done, and, uh, you know, and that's when Tony just came in and said, hey, you know, Daryl Kyle's dead. And it was like someone put a bomb right in the middle of our clubhouse. And everybody went, I mean, it was just instantaneous. Everybody went every which way and just went their own ways. And it was just an unfathomable. I mean, you just, it, it was it, in shock. There's no, it was disbelief. It was, I'm sure there was some hatred. I'm sure there was some people mad. I'm sure there's people obviously questions. And, uh, but it was um, turmoil. I mean, it was like, what are you talking about? Like, a, like someone just told me my brother died. I mean, that's exactly what it was like. And I'd only known the guy for 30 days or something. But it was, uh, you know, the hardest part about the whole thing um, was listening to my mom on a message that she had left a voicemail because I guess somehow she found out, but they never told who it was. They just oh, said a gosh. cardinal starting pitcher had died. Oh, and so I have to hear my mom on a voicemail, and I'm just like, oof. So I hear that, obviously, I call her back, and it was just the, 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 I don't know, 30, 40 seconds turmoil of when I heard that message of knowing that my mom thinks I could be dead, you know? And so that didn't go over too well for the, with, with the Cardinals because obviously someone leaked that out, and there's four of the guys that were still alive that, whatever. But um, that, was, that was pretty tough. I mean, that was, I mean, it's just, it was, you know, then obviously you went through, you know, Girardi uh, had said his words out there at home plate. and But there's there's no words to describe it. There's nothing that anybody could do or say to make you feel any better. I mean, it's it just, it's part of life, as brutal as it was. But, I don't know, man, it was just a weird ambiance of what was going on in that clubhouse. I think, and a lot of people outside of the clubhouse, and I think even ter- towards the end of the year, people gave Tony a lot of credit for how he handled it. What what did he do, and what was I mean, was that a big thing the way he kind of got you guys together? Because the team just did not miss a beat. You guys had a bad, tough week where 
everyone was in, in yeah, shock. Right. But then you guys go on this run and you you keep winning and you you do get Scott Rowling, you get Chuck Finley, and you and, and you and Andy Bennis comes yeah, back Bennis and has this great. Yeah. But what was it about Tony? Was it did Tony really have a, a big play in that, or was it kind of everybody coming together, or was it just everything that everybody came together? It was a good team too, obviously. Yeah, I I I. I I, I tip my hat. I mean, looking back, even to this day, I mean, at the time, I mean, it is, we were chickens with our heads cut off. We were. We were, what do we do? I mean, what, 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 what are the parameters? How are we supposed to act? Are we, what, what's going on? I mean, is this really like, okay, we're playing a game. Is this really that important right now? That was pretty much the gist of everything. Like, I remember the next day when we played, I mean, I look at Duncan going, what are we doing here? And he just kind of looked at me and shook his head and didn't say a word. I mean, it was like, that was that was pretty much, that was my standpoint. But when would you guys have played again? I mean, it's Monday? Or, I mean, how long? No, you just wait? Like, I mean, well, I don't know. Is it, obviously, That's... you don't want to play that next day, but you did. And we did. We saw it. It was a terrible <laughs> yeah. game, and but it's still... It's it's it was it just got to the point of, I mean, trust me, we they, the MLB did a great job of sending people to us uh and we had meetings and obviously uh, Flynn flew in they flew her in I think she's in Arizona at the time or something like that and um so we waited for her uh we knew that DK never missed a start so that was his next day so that's literally the reason why we played otherwise we probably would have waited a couple days but it was that was the reason um it was uh a time when you talk, from my standpoint, I'll just talk personally. I don't know about how the rest of the team feels, but I, I bet you they wouldn't beg to differ. But it was like that's when we, it's us. This is this. This is this who we are, and this is us. And you know what? Um, you know, Tony did a looking back on it. At the time, you're just like, okay, whatever. Uh-huh. Right. Let's just go and play, I guess, and just – but – the realm of everything, of the three, four, eight hours that we were at the ballpark, really just got us away from reality of having to deal with a loved one, a brother, a comrade that we just lost. Well, you guys are all in your 20s, too. You probably yeah. never had anyone no, die in your... No. In, you know, that's, that's what I think. Like, how would you deal with that? And, uh, you know, DK had to go through that. He, DK lost his father, I think, when his dad was like 40, 41, 42 or something like that. So uh, pretty much the same thing. And so I remember Tony just just reading a script, uh, a little script of uh, from a newspaper that pretty much DK had said, and it was it was Dad telling him, "Hey, look, you know what? You have to learn to be able to separate business and, and personal stuff, and uh, you still have a job to do. You still got to go out there and do it. And as hard as it is, you just got to be able to do the best you can. And, and and that was, and that's what kind of what Tony said to us is like, look at. This is what he's going to want. This is how he handled it when it happened to him. I mean, this is... Um, and so, again, uh, there was no book on how to handle stuff. You know, everybody says, everybody grieves different ways. And it's, it, it, was, it was one of those things. But Tony, yeah, he, he was a leader. There's no question about that. He was a ringleader about that and, and, and steered us and gathered us and then kind of said, all right, let's go. And that was it. I mean, it was... Yeah, that that group of guys. Uh, yeah, there there might be a little handshake, but there's definitely a hug after the handshake when you see each other. Yeah, and I, I think I've heard guys say, "Man, it's just that's what sucks is not winning that year because you guys were so good." Run into the Giants, and the Giants take the, the that series four to one. But 
it just seemed like that was a blur series. Like the, the NLDS was, was a great series. And then uh, you guys play the Giants, and it was a rough series. It's, it's Simo runs to get the dog. I'll keep talking until he comes back. Um, but yeah, yeah, but uh, that was your – yeah, we, we beat Arizona to get yeah. there. And Arizona had Johnson, and I'm not sure if – World champions, right, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was they, like – They did, yeah. Uh, so it was – I mean, we – they. Uh, that's when we lost Roland, obviously, too. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's it right. was yeah. – It was uh, – no, it was just one of those things. It was like it wasn't meant to be. But I tell you what, it was uh, my first year. It was a blink of an eye. It was over. It was a hell of a ride. I grew up immensely. As much, I'm not sure about anybody else, but I knew I did. I mean, I was a 28-year-old rookie that got into big leagues, and I didn't know half the stuff that I thought I knew. Um, and learned how to deal with failure, learned how to deal with success, learned how to do the big league stuff, all everything. And it was just... Um, it was, for me personally, it was the right time for everything to come together because of the fact of where it was in my life, how things happened, and then the guys in that clubhouse that put their arms around me, knowing it was my rookie season, but everything else that was going on. It was, it was definitely special. There's no question about that. So you're a rookie on that team, and that's big personality, so let's maybe lighten the mood a little bit. Any great road stories, good hazing that you were part of or had to deal with? In that first year that you were up, because uh, you see this stuff all the time, uh, especially off the field. It's it's more fun there, and it's usually something you can tell a story about yeah. once or twice. There was, you know, I mean, there was not that that year because we lost Jack Buck, we lost DK. Uh, there wasn't a, and, and the, there was turmoil. I mean, shoot, I, I don't know how what number I was that got up there finally, uh, but there, like you said, there was thirteen, fourteen starting pitchers that literally got an opportunity, but. Uh, so we, they, we were fishing and we were, they were searching. And so the time to, in the morning process of all this stuff, it wasn't, there wasn't, there was really nothing that went on with hazing. I mean, it was, I think maybe there might've been in the, in, uh, I think so to get, was so there or yeah. was that Oh three? I don't know. Uh, yeah, there in 03. He got there in 03. Yeah, no, he did get there in 03. He did, he did. So that was that was a different ride. From, that was in Seattle. But you but, can tell that story. Go well, ahead. I mean, yeah. I mean, he, he ended up singing, you know, they, he was singing uh, karaoke or whatever. But he ended up singing a song in, in, Jap- in Japanese. Born to be wild? I think it was... Uh, I, get, I get made fun of because I created a, a feature where he goes out to have sushi. For some reason, Jeff Supon came along and they didn't eat sushi. It was like a four-part series, and by part three, they had just ordered the sushi. Because oh, I thought it was fun. They were having fun, and, and at some point, So Sings Born to be Wild in Japanese. So that's yeah. the only... Oh, it, it could have been. I don't know. He was singing Japanese, so I don't know, whatever whatever it was. But, um, you know, there wasn't. There was uh, there were some times when, um, when we made it to the playoffs that year. Um, I do remember, I think, when we clinched it, I think Matty Moe was pitching the next day, so he wasn't with us. Um, but I do remember standing on the bar and patios doing like handing out shots to people or pouring them in people's mouth and looking up and who knows what time it was, but here comes Tony cruising through the doors. At patios? At patios. How did I miss this? I don't know. No, that's my, that's what I wanted to say is because that's sort of like my wheelhouse and I don't know if people... It's it's funny to me as a fan because I was a fan. I was also kind of covering this thing, but I was a, always a fan first, so I always enjoyed that part of it. 
And I don't think you have it anymore because man, Patios is too big and Al Robowski's no. isn't what – you guys would have that upper level and it just had to be so much fun just to – because I think Cardinal People, fans didn't really give you too much, right? I mean, no, you know what? And that was that was what was fun about it because uh, they get. It's not that they gave us a rain of the place, but it was like you know what? We used to go behind the bar and just chill out, whatever. They would make drinks for us. Sometimes we make drinks for people. Um, but then they also do you go downstairs and all the way into the back. You know, we usually just have that area. They'd have it roped off, but it was almost like the people understood we were going there to unwind a little bit. Maybe it was cool for them to see us there. Uh, we get to talk and have a couple of drinks. I thought, I thought Ray was... King actually worked there, and then they picked him up as a pitcher. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, possibly. Widger. What about Chris, Chris Widger? Widger. I don't think anybody would recognize yeah, him. No. But him and Tony had a thing, too, right? I, didn't, I thought he was on the team one day, and the next he was gone, Who from knows? what I remember. I don't. Man, it's one of those, you, one you of those were, backup catcher guys. You guys are hip, more hip about that stuff than I was. Oh, you were on the team. I was just watching from afar. <laughs> <laughs> what about Chuck Finley? He shows up. Does anyone talk about Tawny Katan when he shows up? Uh, I didn't know even know who that chick was okay. until someone said he actually yeah, was on the whatever car of White Snake, White Snake or whatever it was. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he All got right, beat cool. up by her. Yeah, and then 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 I don't know who told me this, but then it was like, oh yeah, well he hit her over he she hit him over the head with like a uh, a pan or something like that and beat the crap out of him or whatever. Well, stiletto too, maybe one of her heels. Ooh. Tough business. So you didn't know this never came up though with you, but you did hear I it, it was brought up. No, it was brought to up. him. Oh no, dude, no. come on. You know, I think at one time because he was going through some court stuff yeah. like that, so he would after he'd start he'd he'd be gone the next. Two or three days, and then show up the day before he pitched, and then pitch. Uh, I think that went on for a while, um, but he was a good dude. He was, uh, I mean, I'm from California, but to me, he was a typical California dude. Yeah. He was like, you know, okay, right, you know. But he just, again, he's been in the league for so long. He was just a professional. He was already he knew what he could do, what he couldn't do, and what it took to get him ready. While we're talking about players' wives, Brett, Brett Tomko shows up, and he's got like a Playboy bunny wife. Do you remember that? Gosh, uh, the I, only re- I just I made me think of it. I don't. Uh, he, I liked him actually. His wife was actually pretty cool. She could hold her own. But I remember talking. I don't even know remember her name. But uh, but yeah, I do remember that. I remember uh, uh, hearing that. <laughs> well, we're just reeling uh, through the years here. Yeah. So, so what was it like? You did say it was fun to to celebrate. Uh, how long do you do you celebrate during that uh, NLDS win? I mean, because that's really the. I mean, you didn't. You were on the O four team, so. Yeah. I don't know if you were around during the NLCS. I don't think. Uh, I don't know. I was not. I wasn't. Uh, I didn't play on the. I didn't make the playoff roster, but I was already sh- pretty much out to the pasture and shot. So uh, I had. I knew I wasn't going to. I kind of just was an insurance thing. They needed a pitcher, and I was here, and they called me like middle of September, said, "Hey, dude, we need some innings." Because that was when, what you call, hit the phone booth. Uh, Tavi Tavares, yeah. uh, uh, JT Tavares. Yeah, he was nuts, right? Yeah, he, he clinically might have been – he was out there. He was actually a good dude. You talk about a guy that you'd want in the trenches with you, he was. There was not a lot of bad dudes. I mean, questionable guys, like you look at it, but you know what? The guys that you'd want in the trenches with you, there was a lot of those guys in those teams. He was a questionable guy. Oh, gosh. Garrett <laughs> Stevenson? Is that questionable? <laughs> Not a bad guy, but my I just fa- can I just, tell my favorite Garrett Stevenson story. All right, so the game, I think you guys lose like fifteen to nothing. He starts the game, and he gave up six home runs 
as a starter through three innings. And he said, I, you know, guys, and he said this, like, um, I've really only made six bad pitches. I mean, outside of that. And he said it seriously. That's when you knew. And he did curse on Fox's air. Yeah, I, I remember that. I remember seeing I just because I live here now, I, I remember seeing it showing and bleeped and stuff. But, yeah, Gary, I listen. They, Dustin Hermanson probably with the hair. Yeah, you know, he had the weird whatever it's called, beard, facial yeah. beard, whatever. But, I, you know what, that's like – See, and and even though he was here and like he did good, and then he went to the Giants. I mean, to me, that just—I I guess I'm too old school. I mean, I understand they got to have some leniency and the guy pitch well, but it's like, really, dude, we're not that type of organ organization. That says dig me, you know? We're right. like, okay, whatever. That I, I don't know. That just didn't. That was me personally. That just didn't fit with me. But but I do. I mean, but uh, Dustin was a good guy. He, he he again. He was a guy that you hey look at dude. You can come in my trench anytime. Um, but I just I remember Garrett Stevenson just golly I think there might have been two inches good old Mikey he um, one he I think Garrett fell asleep in the clubhouse in New York and Mikey he was sitting there and Mikey just kind of walked up behind him with a with a bottle of mustard and kind of put it on his lower lip so when he woke up they obviously just whatever you know. <laughs> But I remember his locker used to be right next to mine, and it was one of those games where I don't know if he did good or bad or indifferent, I don't even know, but he was doing an interview, so everybody's around him and this and that. And, and all of a sudden, it was like he just kept talking, and I'm looking over, I'm just like, okay, whatever. Didn't say nothing. Who am I to say? I'm a rookie. I'm like, go ahead, you know? But I'm just thinking, and all of a sudden, it just was like, at the top of his lungs, less is more. And it got real quiet. And then you just hear Garrett keep talking. And about two minutes later, same thing. And it was just, and then he kept talking. And I'm like, I mean, by this time, I'm looking like back behind Garrett, looking at Jimmy going, is this guy serious? But, you know, there's characters all over the place. I'm sure I did plenty of stupid things, too, when I was there. Wish I could remember some, but I don't remember. Yeah. But you did. You mentioned Tavi and you mentioned Matheny, and then there's that one story when when Tavares shows up to spring training, and Mike and him have to have a conversation because Tavares had thrown at him. I don't know if you heard about that at all. There was, I do now that you mentioned that vaguely, but I I, I remember that. Bathroom I, or I, I don't remember exactly what what the whole thing consisted of. No, he's sort of your boss now too, so yeah. you probably can't be. Oh, I don't even know. I mean, I I, I know they talked. I, I when you said that, yeah. there's a lot of things I forget that people bring up and I go oh yeah I do remember that but um, I don't know I mean come on I mean it's like bygones be bygones I mean you're you're teammates now you might as well get it over with it is just crazy too I many time I talk to you guys about stuff and I can understand it a little bit I'll be like to Jim Edmonds remember that catch you made in uh, against Boston it was diving play Ortiz no no it's like because it always you know it's like these things just sort of go they you know it's it's a long season and I did travel that a couple years and it's true you just it Houston Atlanta where are we you don't even know where you are sometimes you don't know what day it is and there's a lot of times you'll go and knock on the wrong door and try to slip your card in the wrong door just because it ends in 12 or ends in 42 but it's like the wrong floor, and you're just like someone. Well, it's probably you think you're in Houston, and you're at six twelve was where I was. Oh no, we're in Atlanta. I, I did that. I mean, I really you know, uh, I had well, a few drinks with me too. But well, <laughs> well you just get to right. the point where you there's no time. I mean, as in you don't care what day it is. It's just what time do I need to be at the ballpark, or what time have we got to do this? And then it's just okay, your key, and you just like you said, you you come home, you have a couple beers or whatever it is. And next thing you know, you're just like knocking on someone else's door. When you think of your playing career, do you think, oh, man, what could have been? Or, oh, man, that was awesome. I was a major leaguer and I pitched in a team that was in the playoffs. How do you look back at that? 
the latter part, I don't look at what oh it could have been um, because I think I made the most of what I was. I mean, I was a strike thrower. Um, I worked my butt off. I competed. I had a lot of respect for the people that were there before me in this organ. I mean, it was just it was just I was a fan of the game, and then I fell in love with the game once I got there. And 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 I think it was really just the fact that who was in the organization at the time as well as who was around at the time of really got to learn about the history of, of, of Cardinals, um, of St. Louis. And, and so I'm a guy that looks at it and goes, man, that was a, one hell of a ride. It really was. I was very fortunate and blessed and thankful for every, every pitch I got to throw. And then you become a coach in this organization. Just how did that come about? And now you're, you're what, Springfield second year? Uh, third year. Third oh, year. Third so, year. yeah, I'm, I should do research, obviously. Okay. I'm more, I know exactly what you did in 02. I don't know what you're up to. <laughs> but uh, just tell me a little bit about how, how this all came about. Where were you? What were you doing when you get the call? And just, uh, yes, I'll do it, sure. What I, or, or no, I don't want to do that. I'm with my family. Tell me a little bit about how it all happened yeah. and how things are going. I had ended up just obviously, I came home, got married, came home. I just retired. My body was done playing. And so for two years, I pretty much didn't know what I wanted to do. I did a couple job interviews, and I realized I don't want to do insurance. And I don't want to sell stuff. I didn't want to be in an office. I couldn't stand that. Um, obviously, I mean, I love the game of baseball. Uh, it's what I know. It's what I've done or whatever. So uh, in the midst of this, I started. I emailed or text Tony. I emailed and text Mo. I emailed and text... I don't know if it was Vooch. I think it might have been Vooch at the time. And uh, so they all got back to me and just said, you know what, you know, that's great. Well, we got no room. We already got our coaches. And, excuse me, so we're filled up, but we'll keep you in mind in this net. And then the next year came around, and I was like, you know what, same thing. I did this. I just called them up. Just I mean, the Cardinals? No, no, dude. Okay, I did everybody. Every, everybody that I knew, all the connections that I, I didn't have any connections because I didn't really plan on leaving right. and whatever. So it, it just I got it from my agent, and he just gave me all these numbers and email addresses. And hey, I mean, Julian Tavares, I'll come to Mexico yeah. wherever you are. I'll... <laughs> it's exactly what I don't care. I was just looking right. for a job, and I knew that's what I wanted to do. So. Um, and then, you know, I talked to Tony, and he goes, well, you know, maybe we can get you to come in and throw BP and just kind of I, – because I told him, I said, hey, I, I just want to be a fly on the wall. I, I said I can listen to Duncan. I can listen to you. I can sit around. I can do whatever. And they didn't have any room. And I'm like, all right, appreciate it. And that was – when did they win? 11? 11. Yeah. So that was going into 11. So then after they won it and everything like that, that's when I got hired. Um so, yeah, Vooch, I think Vooch emailed me or, or might have been Mo. I'm not sure who it was. Um, uh, and that was it. I mean, it could have been Mike Gersh. I don't even know. But um, they said, yeah, we're, we, we got a couple openings online and we'd like to move you in and, or at least interview you. And so drove down to the stadium and talked for a couple hours and then got a job offer in Peoria. It's crazy to start over, right? I mean, when you've done the – Guys, you know, your bags are left at the door and they're in their hotel room at 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean, now you're carrying your bags and – or maybe you're not. You're Simo, so who – why would no, you – but, I mean, just you're going on – carrying your bags. The buses and all that, just going back to it. I mean, that, that obviously is a love of the game, but what – I mean, it's just – you're pretty grounded too, but I can't. I just can't imagine like a Mark McGuire doing this thing, or yeah. you know, like I mean, it's it's got to be it's going to be kind of a 
but that's what you love to do, and this is what you wanted to do, right? Right. I, I know what you're saying, and, and you're right. I think, you know, there's – to me, I had already been away from the game for a couple of years, so I just want my foot in the door, buddy. I mean, just like give me an opportunity to play. I want an opportunity to coach. I just get my foot in the door. If I'm good enough or I become good enough, then great. If not, then you know what? It wasn't meant to be. I mean, it, it, as much simple as that. As bad as I want it to become a reality, um, I'm also realized that, hey, dude, things have to happen, and you got to be good at what you're doing. So when this happened, it was almost like, okay, um, at least I don't have to. I may have a 15-hour bus ride, but I'm not playing, <laughs> and I don't have to get ready to go play, and I don't really care about that anymore. I, was, I knew I was done. I didn't want to play. I still don't want to play. Uh, I don't need that competitiveness stuff. I, uh, I kind of vicariously live through the players now. I mean, it's, uh, it, it, there's something about it when the light goes on, they understand what you and the rest of the organization has been trying to get them to, to process and, and to apply, and you just happen to be there at the moment that it happens. And that, there's nothing better. It's like, I guess it, it, the thing that compare it to is just my own kids. You know, when they when they do something good or, you know, you've been working with something and all of a sudden they either try a wrestling move or they try a soccer move or they soar the goal, you're just proud of and you're happy for them. That's, to me, that's what it's about. I would think, too, kind of, I know we got to go because you have stuff to do, but the fact when you see a guy go and play at Bush Stadium that you had seen, I mean, now you're at this point where you're seeing these guys pitch mm-hmm. for the Cardinals. I mean, that, that has to be it, right? I mean, that's, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. No, there's no question about it. And uh, it is, there's, there's too many guys, and that's what I, you know, that's one of the things that, there's too many people in this organization that have their hand on what a guy does through the, you know, through the process. Uh, so everybody goes, oh, well, did you help out with him? Or did you help him? It's like, yes, I did, but, I'm not the only guy, let alone the guy. It's like there, there's too many people in this organization that, are, that, that, that have processed it to help them get to where they're at. But it is what I love is the fact that they're getting the experience, hopefully more than me, what I got the experience of living in a dream, of being in a realm that's not even on this earth. I mean, everything that goes with the big league is nothing but perfect. I mean, it is, it is, people, the normal people don't understand the, the, the job, they don't understand the media, they don't understand the family, they don't understand the travel, they don't understand the money, they don't understand women that are there, the <laughs> temptations of drugs, alcohol, you, all that, no one understands that. To be able to just go and, okay, I mean, like, everybody, almost everybody wants to be a major leaguer, almost everybody. Or to at least experience that. And there's only 17,000 people ever to get that opportunity. And, and yes, it's like you feel good about your son. But I feel good about the guys that have rolled through and now they're there or they're getting there. And they've had that opportunity. I'm excited to watch your career. This seriously is very <laughs> cool to see what's going on. It's like what you did in 2002 out of nowhere. 11 wins, second on the team. Yeah, It was a great season. I appreciate your time, Simo. This is big fun. I can't wait to see what the Springfield Cardinals have in store. <laughs> and what... It's so exciting. <laughs> and uh, no, and the, the team, I mean, everyone always loves talking about the Cardinals and their prospects. 
and to know there's someone like you down there. And that's the thing I think people need to really realize is this, like you just said, this organization is full of guys like you and just great guys. Pop Warner's been around forever doing this, mm-hmm. and and Mike Schilt who gets Dirty. to come up and yeah, Dirty. all these guys Dirty. that get yeah. yeah, all these guys who get and they're a part of why you see. An Alex Reyes or uh, Weaver made it this yeah, year. Luke Weaver. Uh, Any Alex Myers made. It. I mean, there's there's guys that are down there still that that aren't even on the blimp, but they're good. And Randy Neiman. I mean, he's a, he's a pitching coach that's been in every position that you could possibly be as a pitching coach, and pretty much from top to bottom in, in the big leagues and minors. And the 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 knowledge. I mean, I, I don't know. I think that's what's great about the guys that I know, the coaching staffs. Is they're they're more than happy to give you knowledge, and they're more than happy to sit there and listen to you talk because they may learn something as well too. Yeah, Randy's one of those guys I see at spring training every year, and I'm like Randy Neiman, and I go look at his baseball card. He's a mad. I mean, he pitched for so many years, and I'm like, how? What is he doing here? You go look him up, and you're like, man, this guy's been here forever. And it's it is. And then I do. I, I'm a huge dork about Cardinal baseball, and I'm uh-huh. like, well, that's really cool that he's been doing this this long. Maybe someone should mention him. So we just did. Yeah, yeah good job, Nemo. That a boy. <laughs> All right. That's Jason Simon. <laughs> I appreciate him letting me spend some time at his kitchen table. Beautiful artwork, wonderful chandelier. Dogs were very good. Appreciate your time. That's Baseball and Beyond presented by Masses. Thank you for listening, and we'll have another one coming soon.